with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the King. Thank you for joining me for Truth and Reason. I'm Chris Kramer. Please take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue our study through this epistle, we've gotten up to about verse 17. Last time, we ended the lesson around verse 16, where he encouraged us to redeem the time because the days are evil. But even in these days, we find that we can still follow God's will and that he gives us his plan of salvation. So we'll be talking about understanding the will of God. Of course, to do that entirely, we need to look at the Bible as a whole and see what God's plan of salvation is for man. And again, we know for the most part that he has given us certain steps to follow, to hear his word, to believe and repent, and confess, and to be baptized into Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the Son of God. We look forward to a home in heaven with him someday. But while we're here, we need to have self-control. While we're here, we need to not be unwise, as the scripture says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Of course, that's verse 17. Let's go ahead and read the context of our lesson for tonight, beginning in Ephesians 5 and verse 17. And he says, uh, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And we'll stop there in our reading and focus on these passages for our discussion tonight as we look at what the will of the Lord is. Of course, the contrast is, is don't be unwise. And that is a responsibility that falls upon each one of us uh, as his creation living here on this earth, and especially as Christians who have a little bit of insight to the Word of God. We are supposed to be students of that Word. We are to find that we are to be educated in regard to the Word of God, which is why we offer programs like this, so that you can learn a little bit more about God's Word. It's one thing to sit and just read through these passages. It's like I've said in regard to lessons like, uh, say, Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. You can read through that in 10 to 15 minutes. But yet, we have a lifetime of lessons that need to be learned from each thing that Jesus uh, you know, encourages us to know and to do. And so in understanding the will of the Lord, it kind of goes back to some things that Paul the Apostle has already been talking about in the book of Ephesians itself. And the practical side of these things is we need to read the Bible. Consider Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 10 where he talks about the mystery that has been revealed. You can go back and revisit our past lessons on that, but here's the point. He has written these things down that we may know and that we may understand. Look at what Paul says to the Ephesians in verse 3 of chapter 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So a lot of people don't give... Uh, you know, credit where credit's due in regard to the reading of the Bible itself. People don't have the kind of respect for the Bible that they used to have. In fact, it was this book that educated a lot of people back in the day. It was where people learned to read and to write and to learn more. And I find that people that are educated about God's Word 
I'm just going to say it. They're typically smarter than the people of the world. And, uh, you know, maybe not so much about science or arithmetic or whatever it might be, but about life in general. And they have a good sense in their minds and in their heads about things. And they're not so angry about the things going on in this life. They are controlled and they are, uh, they practice self-control in their lives. And because they show that discipline and show an understanding and a respect toward God's will, they're not rebellious people. They're not trying to get away with something wrong. And you'll find that for the most part, they're decent and good people. Isn't that who we want in our lives? And in like manner, isn't that who we want to be like in our lives? So what he does in this passage is kind of throw us a whole bunch of different topics, you might say, in the next few verses, verses 18 through 21, uh, really kind of give us a little bit of a mixed bag of some things that I believe are affecting uh, people directly that cause them Uh, to not be understanding of God's will. Maybe there are things in this life that are uh, taking our attention away from doing the will of God. Drinking is one of those things. It's very prevalent in our world today. In fact, many people that call themselves Christians participate in the drinking of alcohol. Yet verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Granted, that's a little bit more of an extreme example of that. Dissipation being drunkenness or debauchery, uh, squandering. It kind of reminds me of the prodigal son. We all know that story, how he went out and squandered his life and, you know, basically ended up, um, you know, living among, you know, the pigs and being a pig farmer and just almost considering eating the very food that the, that the swine were eating. When he humbled himself and determined that he was going to return back and would just rather be a servant in his father's household. And, of course, the Father received him. But the opposite of these things is be filled with the Spirit. Now, I know some people are going to look at this and say, oh, well, it just says don't be drunk. In other words, you can have a drink from time to time. Well, you know, it's been proven that uh, drinking in any form, you know, will inebriate the mind. It causes us to have bad judgment. The world understands this. You know, that's why they don't allow you to drink and drive. Uh, I, I still don't know how people go to establishments that serve alcohol and expect to be able to drive home. And more cases out of not, these are the very reasons that you have so many accidents, deaths, and the list goes on and on as to the crime that we have in society today. But this is one point of a long lesson, so I'm going to try to keep my comments, uh, you know, succinct. But here he's saying there's things that you don't do, and there there, there are things that you do. And that's what being filled with the Spirit is about. Rather than doing this, let's put our attention and our focus upon the Word of God. That's what being filled with the Spirit is all about. It's not about God taking hold of you and you know causing you to never have a taste for liquor again. It's about you applying your life to His Word, as we've already established in Ephesians chapter 3, when He said, when you read, you may understand. So how can we understand what the will of the Lord is when his will is not too hard to know, because he's written it for us, he's revealed it for us, and we need to get back to the studies of God's word. You know, there are a lot of things that you can do rather than sitting down uh, today and maybe watching that sports program. You could maybe read a few passages from the Bible. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch sports. But how much time do we give in our minds watching sports or watching movies? I like movies. I like entertainment. You know, I've got all kinds of things that I enjoy secularly in my life. 
But God's word is always going to come first. And for the most part, I find that I'm most clear-headed and clear-minded when it comes to preaching God's will, talking about God's will, and making that a part of my life. I never need a break from God's will. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And granted, the Bible says much study is wearisome to the flesh and so on. And when you get tired of studying, then put that Bible down and do what? Well, you could pray. You could maybe go out and, you know, practically uh, uh, manifest the things that you learn from God's will. And it might be the love of the brethren, you know, might be helping somebody out, might be just going and doing things for others rather than for self. Um, you know, being a servant of God is, is it should be about as far away from selfishness as you can get. We're working toward our own salvation. I'm not going to deny that. And the things that we need to do means that sometimes we need to put that, uh, you know, aspect of our lives first before anything else. And, um, but you need to share that with others and you need to look at others and wanting to go to them to help them to understand the will of the Lord. And there's nothing more exciting than to come to a realization about something and wanting to share that with somebody. And, and think about it, you know, inebriation takes away understanding. It takes away wisdom. The Bible says over and over and over again, don't partake in these things. This is not godliness. And look at verse 19. You might think he's changing the subject here, but really he's showing us ways to overcome the worldly thinking, the ways to overcome a misunderstanding about God's will and being unwise. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, you know, I don't think it's as simple as just us sitting around humming a tune when we feel bad about something. I don't think it's just about diverting our attention from worldliness because, you know, we, we've got a hymn in the back of our mind. No, I think this is praise to the Lord. And how do we praise the Lord? By speaking to others about the Lord. Do you read that here in verse 19? What did it begin with? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is what being filled with the Spirit is all about. It's showing spiritual things and spiritual enlightenment through what God's Word has to say. One of the forms of teaching that the Bible gives us is singing. You know, we like to listen to the radio. We have our favorite songs. And for the most part, it's, you know, I don't care what people say. It's not always about the beat or the melody, but they listen to the message as well. What is this song about? What is it trying to convey? Why does it mean so much to me? And so what we find in hymns is that it means a lot to God. Because what we're doing is that we're giving praise to the Lord. Remember what it says, make melody in your heart to the Lord. And in doing so for the Lord, we benefit from that. And that's the message that we speak. Our job is to uh, proclaim, proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. This goes back to the knowledge that we talked about before in being filled with the Spirit. And that we uh, will take the sword of the Spirit, as we'll see in a future lesson in Ephesians, to take the word of the Spirit, the things that have been revealed through the mind of God, and use those things to proclaim uh, understanding for man. And so you're going to see that contrast throughout the rest of this passage as well, of the things that we do for God, which in turn, we, we're kind of doing for one another. We are beneficiaries of the very worship that we give to God. Now, it brings up another thing is that 
Remember that these spiritual songs and singing and making melody, those aren't just limited to when you're sitting in a church building. You know, we see Jesus, you know, off in a, off in a garden, you know, singing hymns with his brethren. And so we do these things to praise God, but at the same time teach and admonish one another through spiritual songs and, um, again, things that come from the heart. And what should come from the heart is our love for one another. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, is it a change of topic here? Not really. Because in all these things, we need to have a giving of thanks. You know, God is looking for thankful people. I often like to say, you know, since we all can't be perfect, as a lot of people like to give that excuse, we've talked about that before, but he is looking for thankful people. He wants us to be appreciative and grateful for what he has done for us. And I think in some ways, it's the number one characteristic of humility and appreciation that we be thankful to God. And of course, we are talking about prayer here. I love the fact that many times in the Bible, when we're talking about singing, we're also talking about uh, communication with God. It talks about Jesus, again, going to the garden. Not only did he sing with his disciples, but he prayed. He prayed and they sung a hymn. And, and I love those examples because they always go together. Giving thanks always to, uh, for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ shows us that we're doing it by the authority of Jesus Christ as well. Don't we say in the name of Jesus Christ? I mean, it's not just a tagline. It's not just a way to end the prayer. It is by whose authority we are approaching uh, God, our great creator. We can only do that through Jesus Christ. Our only access to God the Father is through Christ. Don't let another religion tell you that you don't have to have Christ to get to heaven. You most absolutely do. And you must have Christ for all these other things that we're talking about here. And he makes the contrast then. Don't get yourself caught up in the worldliness and the debauchery of sin. Don't get yourself caught up in the thinking of man, but be filled with the Spirit. Communicate through song, through prayer. Spend your time in these things, and you're not going to have time for the foolishness of the world. And verse 21 sums it up by saying, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There it is again. What we do for one another and among one another. You know, you're going to have a... Some people like to say, I don't need the church to get to heaven. But yet in everything that we read, it always comes back to not only the praise that we're giving to God, but how it affects us together in the fellowship of His Son. We've read many times on this program and others from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9-10, through 10, that shows us that we must have fellowship in Christ, but we can't have that fellowship if we are not unified in Jesus Christ, which means that we must speak the same thing, be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Go back and read that, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 9-10, through 10, and you see that that's how we are in fellowship, not only with Christ, but with one another as well. And that's what makes us brethren. That's what makes us brethren. A lot of people say it's just between me and God. Well, responsibly, you are, you're responsible for your own actions. You're responsible for your spiritual state. I'm not denying that. But what I am saying is that you, part of your responsibility is that you submit to one another. Again, we are in fellowship with one another through God. And we must be humble toward one another. 
We must watch out for one another's well-being. We must put another's uh, needs, especially the needs for God, above our own. As I said earlier in the program, being a Christian should be one of the most unselfish things. And granted, when you became a Christian, you're probably thinking a bit selfishly, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but you came to the Lord because you needed the Lord. You needed to come out of a world of sin. You needed to make changes in your life. You needed to start back on a better path. So there's a lot of self-fulfillment in those things, uh, uh, you know, of changing in your own life. But then you start to realize very shortly thereafter, I need to share this with others. I found a great deal, and I need to tell others about that as well. We do that with secular things. We do that with human things. We need to do it with the most important thing in our life, and that's what God has granted us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that is a hope for eternal salvation. So in this short passage tonight, I hope that you've been encouraged to know that you need to do some things, but there are also some things that you don't need to be doing, that as we studied in our past lessons here from chapter 5, some of these things are just not fitting for saints. So look at the contrast. Is the Bible just a book of what not to do? There's plenty of that. But on the other side, he tells us what we must do. And those things that we must do are for his praise and for our benefit. Because God takes care of his people. He takes care of you physically. He takes care of you spiritually. And ultimately, you want a hope of an eternal glory in heaven. And you're never going to get that seeking it man's way or seeking to be comforted by the things that men have to offer. And so, what is comforting you in your life? Do you understand what the will of the Lord is? If not, let us help you. Please reach out. Send me an email. Love to hear from you. ChrisKramer11 at gmail.com. Let's talk about these things. You can put a comment on our Facebook page. Just go to Truth Reason Bible Studies on Facebook, or, of course, the YouTube channel where you're watching this video now. I want to thank you for your time, and I hope that you'll continue in these studies with me in the future, as next time we make the comparison between Christ, the church, and marriage. We're looking forward to seeing you on Truth and Reason. I walk with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home.